Hello and welcome to the Leaders Council podcast, the podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on yet another overcast day here in the capital. I'm Matthew O'Neill, and today, as always, we ensure that we have a variety of distinct perspectives on leadership. First, we're joined by Naomi Sokarch and Vic Jondo of Red Iguana Associates, a company which offers nutritional advice and guidance to individuals and corporate clients. Naomi and Vic, hello. Hi, Matthew. Hello there, Matthew. Thank you for coming onto the program today. Uh, we might as well dive straight in. What does the word leader mean to the two of you? Vic, would you like to take that first? Sure, I will. Um, okay, so leader leader for me is, uh, is more than just a, a boss of people. Uh, leader can mean many, many things. Um, it, it could be uh, somebody who ha- has an idea and, and is most strident with it and is uh, is very forthright with their views to a point where they're actually driving uh, behavior change in others. Um, they don't need to have an, a reporting line between themselves and those others. They just need to drive thoughts and behaviors and lead by example. Um, but of course, there are the, the traditional models for leadership, which uh, include um, you know, the, the leadership of teams, the leadership of people, uh, the nurturing of talent, the spotting of that talent as well, and leaders who actually, by their behaviors and by their actions, lead others and also create leaders who have seen and watched them do their work. Naomi? Yep. Yes, I think uh, I think Nick has basically coined it very well. Um, I would say it's the same thing. There's uh, many different facets to leadership um, in what I do, um, and it is offering leadership to clients as well as uh, to stakeholders and uh, you know various uh, colleagues and people that you may sort of mix with along the way at um, various industry events. Now, Naomi, how would you describe your personal leadership style? Um, my personal leadership style, I think, is, uh, as Vic and I discussed it on a few occasions, is more to do with uh, thought leadership. Um, I am trying to break down some traditional barriers and traditional approaches uh, to, to nutrition um, and some and try to adjust sort of um, a more modern approach and something that allows you to sort of work in unison with the ever-changing modern lifestyles that we have. And I believe a lot of rigidity in the industry that I'm in um, doesn't doesn't help it. Um, and it certainly doesn't offer leadership to various areas that are connected to nutrition um, that uh, feed into it and that create um, sort of a more holistic approach to people's health, such as services in the NHS or um, allergy awareness in restaurants and events, um, centres and so on. Now, uh, Vic, how would you describe yours? Mine is a little different, I think. Um, I, I'm, uh, I, I see myself very much as a, not, not just, not just a, a leader, leader in a traditional sense. Um, I, I prefer to take the facilitative approach. Um, so I, I do a lot of observing of, uh, of people, of teams and the way they function and the way they function best and, uh, spot 
what people do well, what people like doing, what they don't like doing, and what really makes a team tick and perform at the highest level to harness their strengths and move them forward in that way. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a very, very, uh, it's a very different style. It's a style that I've honed over um, my career in uh, management consultancy and also lots of sports coaching I do away from the corporate world as well. Let's go back to the beginning of your careers. Um, when you were first entering the world of work, was there any particular leader in your uh, first workplace that inspired you to become the leaders that you are today? Vic, do you want to take that one first? Sure, sure, I will. Um, in my first workplace, um, I would say I would say no. Um, I'm I, I'm of a, a certain age now where I've been fortunate or unfortunate, depending on how you feel about age. Um, I've been fortunate enough to see a lot of change since I graduated from university in the early nineties. So I've seen a lot of technological change. I've seen a lot of political change. Uh, and that has changed the the culture and the business culture in the UK um, rather a lot over the last 25 years. Um, so I've picked up uh, bits and pieces from various uh, leaders, whether they've been bosses or whether they've been people who I, I have thought to be great leaders in their thoughts and actions and they way the, the way they drive performance in others. So I've taken, I've taken bits and pieces from lots of leaders down the years, starting from, uh, starting from perhaps the late nineties, if I'm being honest, and then moving through the double O's and, uh, and into the last two decades. Uh, leadership and the concept of leadership has changed massively since I started in the world of work in around 1994, 1995. Naomi? Yes, uh, I would say that definitely components of leadership have, um, have been amazing for me. Uh, my past uh, work um, history has been predominantly in restaurant management and event management. And as somebody who loves food, I've taken that to a, a new degree with nutrition, but back in my restaurant and event management days, I would say that there's a combination of people who have shown me uh, their great leadership and how to be um, a great leader as well, and that I would include uh, some mentors uh, within the office environment, uh, certainly some chefs, uh, some restaurant managers and general managers themselves, some colleagues that I have uh, you know, taken inspiration from. I don't think there could be any one particular person that I could say has been uh, the main contributor. I think there has been multiple things uh, and multiple in uh, varying degrees over the years, just as Rick has, has said as well, over the last three decades. Now, Naomi, what sort of leaders inspire you on a day-to-day basis? Sorry, could you say that again, Matthew? What sort of leaders inspire you on a day-to-day basis? Uh, I think the types of people that would inspire me to do well uh, tend to be people who are very open-minded. They've got uh, potential to allow people to express their own individual points of view and uh, listen a great deal. To, to what other people are actually saying behind their words. 
Uh, I think those are the types of people that inspire me and those are the types of people that give me uh, further sort of courage to continue trying to be a good leader myself in the things that I do. Uh, I think kindness, openness, listening, um, and not forceful um, implementation of strategies. I don't think that works in this day and age at all. Now, Vic, if I was to ask you to objectively identify the greatest leader, living or dead, who would that be? Oh, goodness me. Where do you what, start with that one? What's a question? I think I was um, rather pleased I didn't give her that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, you, uh, you said living or dead. I'm not going to give you one because I, I, I don't believe there is okay. one. Um, I think there are several. Uh, so I'll start with the dead and then progress to those who still have a pulse. So, uh, if, if I, if I start, um, if I start with the dead, uh, you, you can't really go too much, uh, too much further than the likes of Nelson Mandela, Gandhi, uh, and, and, and others of that ilk. Um, if you, if you, if you want to take the very, um, the, the very North American view, classic North American view, uh, then somebody who was an inspirational leader, um, in terms of the, being a great orator, then obviously Kennedy comes into, into play as well. Um, but if we want to move into, if we want to move into the more, into the more current, the more contemporary, um, in the business world, I've always been a great admirer of what Richard Branson's tried to do over the last uh, 40 years or so with his various business ventures. Uh, and then there are some, uh, there, there are some great uh, sporting leaders and cultural leaders out there as well. I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to think of one that immediately comes, comes to mind. Um, but yeah, I would say I, I would move away from, from any, any sorts of current political figures other than perhaps, um, Barack Obama, whose name no doubt comes up quite frequently in this discussion as well. Um, so yes, so if, if, if we um, dull, dull back to the to those who have passed away, I would say uh, the likes of um, the likes of Gandhi, Martin Luther King, and um, Kennedy, and the current the likes of Richard Branson, uh, Barack Obama, and one or two others. Now, unfortunately, I'd say Cyril, if you're talking about football. <laughs> now, unfortunately, our time together is very quickly uh, drawing to its close. But before I let you go, Naomi, maybe you can bring us up to speed on what the next 12 months has in store for Red Iguana. Uh, I would say in the next month, we're working a great deal on expanding our um, marketing in the sense that trying to make people a lot more aware of the um, allergy uh, training and uh, modified allergy awareness, I call it, because it's not in the traditional sense that you find in a lot of online programs. So we're really working on trying to build that um, into a far more modern, appropriate approach um, for for lifestyles that um, uh, people don't want to curb but do need to be healthier um, in the way that they approach their modern lifestyles. So that's what we're trying to work on some products that basically we'll be getting some of that um, out to hopefully some uh, corporate companies, mm-hmm. but also individuals and uh, also sort of, you know, little target groups and things like that as well. So, yeah, lots of work involved. <laughs> well, Vic, Naomi, it's been an absolute pleasure discussing leadership with you both. I very much hope that uh, the Thanks, two of you can come back onto the program in the near future. 
Sure, that'd be great. We'd be delighted to. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Matthew. That was Nick, uh, Naomi Sokach and Vic John Doe of Red Iguana Associates. And now, if you haven't heard it before, is Jonathan White's exclusive interview with Sir Jeff Hurst. We're now joined, uh, though, by former England footballer and still the only man to score a hat-trick in a World Cup final, Sir Jeff Hurst. Uh, thank you very much for coming on today. Uh, You're welcome. You're welcome. Good afternoon. Uh, and perhaps I should uh, start and get it over and done with. I know you must be bored with it and uh, you've probably been asked a thousand times. But when you got out for a duck playing for Essex, uh, Jeff, what was going through your head at the time? <laughs> well, of course, that's not one of the most asked questions I get. Oh, there, there are one or two people who are very familiar um, who, who do Google me realise that I did uh, score nothing for Essex. Uh, for my only game for Essex, first team, when we played against Lancashire in Liverpool, a place called uh, uh, Egbert in, in, uh, in Liverpool, many, many years ago, 1962, I think that was. So I didn't, and, um, yes, I, I didn't really feel it at the time. It was lucky to be playing, I guess, with one or two injuries. Um, but the problem that I had was, was really messing about between the two sports. That was very detrimental to me uh, over that period of time, mm. being stuck between the two sports. And I think uh, for those that uh, don't know, there's a there's a, another world that might exist where um, Sir Jeff Hurst was a, a first class cricketer and not perhaps a, a footballer. But um, whether it's business or cricket or or football, obviously the importance of leadership it can't be understated, no matter what form that comes in. When you were at West Ham, uh, Jeff, and when um, Ron Greenwood first uh, uh, came along, he made obviously some pretty radical changes. Was this a man that genuinely inspired confidence uh, the first time you'd meet him? Absolutely. I mean, he, he was simply a, a fantastic uh, coach or teacher, if you like, at football. And uh, the, the quite always mentioned when we talk about Ron Greenwood, Harry Redknapp, who was played under him and has been very successful as a player and, and the manager over many, many, many years. He um, He's come across many coaches, of course, and managers during his time over years, I guess he would still say that Ron Greenwood is the best coach he had worked with. He'd worked with. So you're very fortunate. I think you just think you're lucky when you come across if you have a great teacher at school and a great coach as we had in Ron Greenwood and, of course, a great manager in South Ramsey. So to come across people like that, that calibre, can have a huge influence on your your career, of course, and, and then your life. And that's that's quite purely the case. And in those early days um, at West Ham, uh, with, with a manager obviously like uh, Ron uh, there, it's also important to have uh, uh, confidence with your other players. And of course, they become your friends. Who did you look at to at the time uh, when to inspire confidence in yourself? Was it more? Was it Peter's? I think probably, well, I was very fortunate to play with the calibre of the players I did. Again, again, extremely fortunate to play with you know, the captain um, of England and West Ham and Martin Peters, who was a fantastic player. And some, as far as Martin's concerned, I think sometimes he didn't quite get the uh, recognition he deserved. And what a wonderful player he was. In terms of inspiring confidence, I always probably say that the biggest influence uh, for me, I guess, would be the captain, Bob Moore. Although he was only... Uh, about eight months older than me, he graduated through the system 
probably three or four years earlier, he played for England in 62-40 before the final when I played. And so he, he was more, looked upon him more as a senior player, if you like, not as a, a guy with the same age group as me. And I looked at how he how he uh, trained, how he acted, how he behaved, and how he played. And so he, he would say, I would also say he was a big influence on me. One thing I would say about leadership, uh, what I do, uh, I do understand clearly in all walks of life, leadership is at the top, is absolutely vital for a, a, for a business, a football team, in any walk of life to be successful. And it's quite evident. I was in the motor trade for a long time as well, selling car warranties to car dealerships. And you could almost tell when you walked into the business, uh, in a, many of the car dealerships, you could almost tell from the moment you walked in by initial reaction people came and welcomed you that the business was well run or conversely not well run at all. And so I understand the, the value and quality of leadership and that's why I'm very fortunate to be involved with my career in those early days with two, two great leaders in, in Ron Greenwood and, and Alf Ramsey. Absolutely. And um, since you've already uh, brought him up, uh, Jeff, I think it'd be remiss not to go a little bit further with that. But obviously... Uh, after uh, oh, at West Ham, your uh, playing came to the attention of uh, South Ramsey. Now, there's a man I'm sure when you walked into a room, you knew who was um, in charge. When it came to managing that England team, what was his style like, Jeff? Well, one thing, the first thing I say about Alf Ramsey, he's probably over my life the most powerful influence who had on me um, as a person. Um, up naturally, it happens to an extent because he's got your whole career in his hand. Whether he picks you for England or he doesn't pick you, it can have a, a great impact on your <laughs> your career and of course your life. But yep. he, in that era, I was involved for six or seven years. He it was quite clear who was the boss. He was quite very very strict. Probably at a time at maybe overly strict but at times you probably wouldn't get necessarily get away with it in, in today's football because it's changed dramatically in how you deal with with players then and players now but he was the most powerful man I came across and very few people and he, he was quite ruthless in getting people out he didn't want to be who didn't want to be part of a group part of a team it is important that if you've got a group of people and that's in any walk of life they're all singing off the same hymn for you and you don't have anybody that's griping or moaning about the system. And if you've got people like that in the organisation, one thing I have learned, and I've taken it on in my life, my family, you've got somebody in the group that doesn't want to be part of it, you, you get them out. And Alf, I think, was was quite ruthless of that in his, in his staff. And I think that's one, thing I, one of the most serious things I think I've learned over a long period of time. And is there, do you think... Uh a specific moment, I'm sure there's probably dozens, but is there a specific moment, if you could uh, perhaps pick right now, that did show those uh, qualities in uh, South so uh, sharply? Yes, I think for, for me, certainly, um, I think there are instances of players who you thought would, would be in the team, or certainly in the squad, and surprising there were not. There was no necessary reason for it, but looking mm. back, I do think perhaps they were people that Alf didn't think wanted to be part of the group. Um, so that that's that's for me. In terms of my personal view, I think that it looked prior to the um, World Cup that I was going to be playing um, in it only a few games before I was I was playing. 
Um, I played with Jimmy Greaves in the game against Yugoslavia only a couple of months before the final. And it looked at that stage as if I was going to be, be playing in, in the team. But uh, in a couple of friendly games, more friendly games, before the final in Poland and uh, uh, Norway, I think, and Denmark, mm. I didn't. I played two of the four games. And I probably didn't quite replicate my, my form that I'd been showing at West Ham and in the early couple of games for England. And he, he left me out in the first game of, of the World Cup against uh, Uruguay. He started off with Jimmy Green and Roger Allen. So I, I had an impact of thinking I, at that stage I, like I was going to play and didn't start because of just a lack of form. I didn't play quite well enough to justify my position. And somewhat fortuitously, I only got back in the team because of a, a nasty gash to shin um, on Jimmy Green's leg. And I think what you've said there, uh, Jeff, actually does sum that up really well. And more than that, whilst it's important to have that someone in charge with those qualities, it's almost useless if there isn't a strong and unified team behind them. And there really must have been moments, if maybe there weren't, but uh, let us know in that 66 competition, the prolonged pressure on all of you, you know, the weight of a nation, did it get to you? Oh, not for me personally, no. I, I think, and I don't, uh, not for me, not for a second. I think mm. I was just happy to be, you know, be involved in the squad initially. Uh, not at all. I didn't, you're not aware of the magnitude of the occasion, really, looking back out. Mm. So I never really felt, people talk about pressure a lot and it's there and people, players talk about people talk about it in life. I didn't really feel necessary to feel any great pressure, pressure during the time I was there. And what is also important to say about Alf Ramsey, the people he, he left behind that were left in the squad after he moved one or two players out, the squad were uh, a, a bunch of very hard-nosed, professional, uh, top-quality people. And that was, again, the leadership that Alf showed. He, he got people in together that were very, very strong personally. Um, uh, and I think that was part of the success we had. We were very... I always describe our, our group as hard-nosed professionals. Um, we have some great players, but overall they were great hard-nosed professional players um, and great quality people who we've kept in contact with, you know, over the years. And Jeff, I've got to ask, and I'm, I'm not making this up, I've genuinely heard that people do ask you whether or not you realised there were people on the pitch at that moment. I imagine you were busy on something else. Well, I... I did some theatre shows last year. They've gone fairly well, and we're going to do a series of uh, theatre shows. In fact, starting this week, over the next uh, two or three months. And uh, at the end of the theatre shows, we have about twenty minutes where we uh, uh, allow the people in the audience to ask questions. And the, the, there's, I won't mention both. They're too long to talk about both questions. Um, one, the other one's a really stupid one. It's too long for me to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but the, the the other ridiculous question I get asked, did I realise there were people on the pitch? And of course I jokingly say, yes, I was just about to, to shoot to score the goal and I looked round, put my foot on the ball and looked round for a little while and said, oh dear, there are six or seven people running on the pitch. So that's, uh, I've had been asked that once at one of the theatre shows. <laughs> so I joke, make a joke about that and saying, yes, I put my foot on the ball and waited, just had a glance round, you know. 
Maybe it does prove there are things that, such as stupid questions, really. Um, oh, yeah, there, are, there certainly are. I've got another one, which I won't bore you with, but it's probably too long to tell you. Uh, I was in a Jersey, or Channel Line, Jersey or Jersey, two or three years ago, and the most stupid, irrelevant questions that absolutely nothing to do with football whatsoever, which uh, was absolutely... But I can use that now because it, it is quite funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe another time then. But we... Um, uh, well, you want me, I, I can tell you if you want. You want you've got time, I can tell, I tell you if you want. Jeff, go on. Go on. I think I'd be, it would be silly if I said no at this point. Okay, so I was uh, doing a... a at a dinner in the you know, Channel Lines, three or four hundred people, black tie dinner, uh, guest of honor. Mm-hmm. And this occasion, I was speaking for about 20 minutes, then allowing uh, questions from the audience at the end of the evening. And there was usual football questions. And then all of a sudden, I heard a, uh, somebody at the back who, who asked a question. I didn't quite hear what he said. He didn't have the microphone with him. So I said, I didn't hear what he said. Can you please give mm-hmm. this chap the microphone so I can hear clearly what he said? So the chap had the mic and he said, when a turtle loses its shell, is it naked or is it homeless? Right. <laughs> what, what a question. What a question. Uh, well, I think that would be in, definitely in the stupid category, wouldn't it? So we had a laugh about that. Is, uh, well, uh, and we, you've got to have a patient of a saint, I think, sometimes to put up with <laughs> well, things no, like I that. Just, but no, then again, I found it amusing. I just found it amusing. In fact, some of the audience found it highly amusing as well, so it did... Um, and again, if you, put, if you can put up with my questions, you can probably put up with uh, anything. Um, <laughs> but th- there would have become a point, though, um, Jeff. I think um, you, you were a young man when see, this happened. When you must have realised that people, teammates, began looking at you for leadership. Um, is that something that occurred to you, or did you just realise that by by quick one way or the other? people actually begin to look up for you for inspiration? Well, possibly. That's never really struck me until you've actually mentioned it now, quite frankly. That's a new, a new question. Mm. Does anybody look up to me? I'm sure perhaps uh, there are. There are people who pay you compliments of the uh, fans of, of West Ham and uh, of Stoke and, of course, in, uh, England fans who... Um, I, I think probably... Yeah, it would be very immodest of me to to suggest that I, I felt that somebody was looking to me for inspiration. Um, well, you, but, you don't but, have to, but I will. Uh, well, um, it's, it's, it's okay for a third party to do it. Uh, perhaps, um, perhaps that may have been the case over the years. Uh, people look at you, and um, uh, maybe uh, it has a, a helpful effect. Uh, but I do think you, you, how you behave and set examples on and off the pitches. People must realise that that's, that has an influence. How you react and behave mm. to, to situations on and off the field surely probably has an impact to younger players coming in into the team laterally. Um, yeah, and and with that, looking at um, uh, football today, uh, is there anybody that you think particularly on the field or the sidelines that strikes you as someone with? Um, those qualities that you could identify in a in a natural leader. Um, well, a, a player, current players, you mean? Oh, players, managers, anybody that uh, you look to today, really? Well, I think some of the outstanding. I think the, the, the best example about a, a leader and at the moment is is, is uh, Klopp at Liverpool. Mm. 
He has been absolutely fantastic to uh, acquire the players and get them to their attitude is absolutely fantastic. They're great players, but there's more than just being good players in football. It's a good player with a fantastic attitude and their willingness to work for each other and the team is absolutely outstanding. Hence these unbelievable results. There are, you know, and the great players not always succeed as, as individuals or probably even uh, certainly as a team if you haven't got the right attitude alongside it. And they're probably, and that, that comes through the leadership. That's not just luck. Absolutely. That's, that's absolute leadership. He'd be the best example, of course, in, in football terms today. Uh, easily, easily. And of course, but going back not that long ago, Alex Ferguson, who's just absolutely, mm. you've got to take him as the first example, but Klopp's only done this over a period of time, a short period of time. But if you look at the 25, 26, 27 years that Alex Ferguson did with Manchester United, and subsequently since he's gone, how they, they are not doing so well. He's the best example of management I've seen. We've seen, we've probably ever seen, and I don't think anybody will see the light of that kind of leadership again. It's ast- absolutely astonishing, astonishing. And do you think? Could you imagine uh, Sir Alf or even Ron Greenwood managing teams today? Yes, I think so. I think yes, no, mm. no question at all. I think they, uh, Ron Greenwood. Yeah, well, the, the answer, straightforward answer, is yes. Um, they, <laughs> the straightforward answer is yes I can elaborate as much as you want but the straight answer is absolutely categorically yes uh, and with um, I know uh, if we could talk about this probably for the next hour or so but um, I'm conscious of the um, time um, looking um, back uh, through your um, playing career perhaps especially um, your time uh, for England who was it uh, that struck you more than anyone else on the pitch uh, that displayed qualities of not just leadership but uh, companionship and and level-headedness that you think that have stuck with you all these years later? Well, I think we were, I was very fortunate and I wouldn't pick any one player out. I think looking at so that... So many. Yeah, so many. And that's why we were successful because we had so many... Um, showing all those qualities that you just mentioned uh, throughout the team, I think that that was outstanding, and uh, uh, and it's an opportunity to talk about uh, all of them in, in that breath. And there was nobody. And I'm going back from an earlier earlier question for me that um, all hard nosed professionals, good good teammates, mm. good socially, and that's why we kept in touch with each other on our golf days. Every year, uh, up until about five years ago, of course, with, with the uh, sadly dwindling yes. numbers, we we still got on. Our wives got on with all together. All those years later, it didn't just finish after '66. That reunion, that camaraderie, that team spirit, mm. um, uh, getting on with each other, lasted for, for a long, long, long time. And I wouldn't and- when it, when you put those cat- those questions and how you categorise those. I would pick every one of the 11 players um, who you put in that category that were like that. There was nobody else. They were all outstanding. And I think that was a big part. I can't stress how big a part that was. And I've said that many, many times for the success of the team. We had some great players. We had some great players, of course. 
But without the attitude <laughs> alongside that, going back to an earlier question, you, we wouldn't have been as uh, ultimately, ultimately as successful. Exactly. Without that, you, the, the, the whole will never be greater than the sum of its parts, but with it. Yes, the word, the, word is the, word is te- the word is team. Absolutely. And I always use the word team when I talk sometimes. Uh, together, everyone achieves more. And that, that's the same in any walk of life. That's fundamental. And uh, lastly, uh, Jeff, looking, if, if you were to uh, give advice, and whether this is in sport or business or indeed any other walk of life, what would you identify, if you can, as the key tenant uh, that you can't go without in terms of leading a team, no matter what that team is? Single-mindedness, uh, single-mindedness dedication, dedication to the job, um, thinking about that, that, that role, that job in leadership all the time. It's a huge part of your life. But if you, I don't think you can switch off. When you're in, in business at the top level or sport at the top level, you may, you know, have a, way, have a couple of weeks holiday. But I'm even sure if, if these top managers and lead, leaders in all walks of life are away on holiday on a beach somewhere warm, I'm sure there's not, uh, there's, they will not switch off for, for two weeks um, and completely uh, not think about their role as the boss of an organization. And I think that's. You're completely focused. You're always thinking about uh, things, thinking about improvements, and it's just dedication and uh, uh, tuning your life to being successful. Excellent. Well, Jeff, on that point, thank you very much for joining us today. You're welcome. Very good to nice to have a talk about this and just go over the go over the past and just uh, refresh my mem- my own memory about the quality of the players I grew up with. Excellent. Uh, another time, uh, it would be great to talk again. Thank, thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. This has been the Leaders' Council podcast. Thank you for celebrating excellence in leadership with us. I have been your host, Matthew O'Neill. Until next time, goodbye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. The views expressed within the podcast do not reflect the views of the Leaders' Council of Great Britain and Northern Ireland, its parent company or subsidiaries, members of staff, other guests, or any other person therein associated.